Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. And, uh, and Riley begins to whisper sweet nothings in his ear. She says, Papa, Papa, could I, I want a hamster, Papa. A little furry hamster, Papa. He's going to be so cute. I'm going to name him Gizmo, and he will be our family member, and I will love him, and he will be special. So one day while I'm at work, my father-in-law thinks it'll be a great idea to, t- to take and surprise my daughter with a hamster, a pet hamster. So if you see him, if you know him, I will not call his uh, full name Bobby Riddle. But if you see him or know him, you can feel free to let all the air out of his tires. I will not be mad at you. And he buys me a hamster. Well, this hamster comes into the family, and, and, uh, and we has this, he has a fancy little cage. He has a little wheel he runs on. Riley feeds him and waters him, and, and he's just in, the, in her bedroom, and I avoid it like the plague because I don't want to be around the rat. Well, one day, I'm sitting there actually cooking, and, uh, and Crystal says, hey, Scott, come here. I was like, okay. <laughs> cooking is paying off. Come on, Jesus. She said, no, the hamster, the hamster's dead. Oh, no. I mean, okay, I don't really want the hamster to be alive, but my daughter is going to cry. Then I'm going to cry because I'm a big softy. This is good. It is what it is. So I'm sitting there, and I walk, into the, I walk into the bedroom, and sure enough, this hamster is laid over on its side in the cage. And I think, dang it. I said, what are you going to do? She says, you're going to have to tell Riley. And I'm like, oh, man, dad duty. Hate it. So I call Riley in, and I said, Riley, I need to talk to you. And I set her up on the kitchen counter. I said, Riley, I got some bad news for you. She said, what is it, dad? I said, baby, Gizmo has gone to be with Jesus. (laughs) I turned it spiritual. (laughs) I didn't know what else to do. (laughs) She started crying the worst cry you've ever heard in your life. I'm talking about the kind of cries that make you just want to roll over and stab somebody. And I'm like, I'm going to find a 24-hour hamster store somewhere right now, baby. I'm sorry. We're going to get you another hamster. And I'm crying, and she's crying, and Crystal is doing whatever she was doing. And and all of a sudden, I look around, and my son's not there. Because, see, girls cry when hamsters die, but boys want to poke it. (laughs) So Asher has gone into the bedroom, and all of a sudden, we hear out of the, out of the bedroom, we hear Asher say, it's alive. And Riley looks at me, and she says, that is the meanest practical joke ever, Dad. And I'm like, baby, I'm not playing a joke. Your mama, it's your mama's fault. And sure enough, we go in, and when Asher began poking at it, it has come alive. Apparently, we sent it into a, a food comatose state, and it had passed out. But it had come back alive. And I remember looking at Crystal thinking, why did I believe you? Why did I believe your report? See, sometimes we start believing the wrong person's report. We're not believing God's report. We're believing our circumstances report. We're believing the doctor's. We're believing the doctor's report. 
We're believing our cousin's report. We'll believe it. We'll believe Fox News' report. We'll believe the banker's report. We'll believe everybody's report, but the one person who has the validity to change our circumstances and our situation, and that's God. His promises are yes and amen. If we don't start believing the report, we have no right to uh, disregard the report. There is something about believing the one person that can change everything about us. He says, I am your exceedingly great reward. He was letting him know who he was because he was about to deal with where he was at. See, a few verses later it says, I want you to come out of the tent. I want you to come out of the tent. And I read this, Pastor Eric, and I I was so confused. I I just always took it as that, that God liked to show off. Hey, look, I want you to look at what I did. Before you were around, I mean, I'm so awesome. I want you to look around, but it says, I want you to come out of the tent. It wasn't as much as about where he was going to look at. It was about what he was getting out of. You see, what you need to understand is Abram had wanted a baby. He'd wanted a child all his life. From the moment him and Sarah got married, they wanted children. She wanted to birth a child. He wanted an heir. He wanted a son. He wanted a daughter. He wanted one from his very own loins to be there, and yet nothing had happened. But every time they walked into the tent to do what you do in the tent to make the baby, they found disappointment and and lack. See, the tent was the place of disappointment. The tent was the place of failure. The tent was the place where they had, had, had missed it time and time again. He says, you got to get out of the tent so I can get you out from your thinking that you've had this entire time. You're so consumed with your area of disappointment, you can't see what I can do any longer. As Christians, we do that. We get so caught up with the failures that have happened time and time again, we change what we say. Well, I'm just a loser. I'm just lost. I'm just a failure. I'll never get it right. My children will never be right. My marriage will never be right. You just don't know how stupid I am. When God said, I didn't say that about you, but you've been so ingrained in the culture of your failure that you can't see who I am. It's time to get out of the tent of failure, the tent of lack, the tent of misfortune, the tent of insecurity. Some, of you, some people get so insecure that they can't see what God can do with them because they are so consumed with where they're at. He says you got to get out of the tent of failure. You don't like where you're at? It's time to step out just a little bit. Maybe it's time to start serving at the door. Maybe it's time to, maybe it's time to write the bigger check. You don't like your financial situation? Maybe it's God saying, okay, it's time to break off what you've always been and what you've always done because it hasn't worked to this point, but I'm ready to take you to another level. I'm ready to take you to another place. Maybe it's time to start serving your pastors in a way you've never done it before. But I, 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 I show up, I, you know, most of the time. Now, this is the Wednesday night crowd. You're the good ones. You're the good one, but you got some friends, and they keep calling you with the same problem, and they keep crying on your shoulder. They keep beating down your door talking about how their life is a mess, how they don't have enough money, how they don't have enough friends, how they don't have enough uh, favor, or they don't have enough hope. And the truth is you need to start sharing with them. It's time to get out of where you're at so that you can start seeing what God can do. You got to start seeing like God sees. Before I formed you, I knew you. Before I formed you, I knew you. See, before you can start seeing what God is doing, you've got to start understanding what God 
understands. I, I love in Genesis, Pastor Eric is probably going to teach something along these lines at some point, but I love in Genesis, he says, he says God spoke, then he saw. The quintessential God spoke, then he saw. The problem is, what you got to understand is before he could speak it, he had to dream it. Before he could speak it, he had to dream it. If you don't start dreaming the way God has called you to dream, you'll never accomplish what God has called you to accomplish. He says, I want you to come out and look up. And Pastor Eric, this is what I, I, I ask myself, because I, I have to ask myself simple questions. I'm not the smartest guy around. I think Boudreaux and Thibodeau are pretty funny. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I've often asked, why didn't God just grab, reach down and grab some sand in his hand and say, look, hey, look at the sand. You see the sand? This is what's going to happen one day. You're going to be like this. You're going to have descendants like this sand in my hand one day. Why didn't he start with the sand? You know, that's how we teach people. Just take one little step. You know, just take one little step. Okay, you can't do 10%, so start doing 1% and see what God can do. So if you can't do, you're doing 5%, so start doing 6%. Let's see what God, that's how we teach people all the time, right? We'll teach people, well, okay, so you're having trouble being nice to your wife. Why not send her flowers every now and then? So your marriage isn't that good. Why don't you try, why don't you try taking your wife out on one date a month? That's how we teach people step by step, right? But God doesn't think like we think and doesn't operate like we operate, does he? See, if it had been me, I'd have walked out and said, I'd have picked up a, you know, a handful of sand and said, here you go. Come on now, can you imagine what this is going to be like? This is going to be so awesome. Come on now. Come on, Abram. Come on, think with me now. You got this. You got it, son. You got this. A little bit of encouragement, slap him on the back and say, come on now, get back in there and do what you got to do. But God doesn't do that. Like, why, not, why not all the sheep? Abram was fairly wealthy. This Why not all the sheep? Look, I did it with sheep. I can do it with children. But he didn't do that either. He says, I want you to look up at the sky. Look at the stars in the sky, which would be very impressive. But what I love most about the stars in the sky, every time I look at them, I realize that what I see isn't actually what I see. Because when you look at the sky, what you're seeing are stars, but what you don't realize is because of the stars you can see, that it causes your eye to not be able to focus on the stars just beyond that. So just beyond what you're seeing is so much more that you're seeing that you don't realize what you're seeing. See... God is a generational God. He's God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's always been about generations. It's always been about what goes beyond you. See, money is not about what you can do with it. It's about how it's going to affect others. Favor is not about what you can have now. It's about how it's going to affect your children and your grandchildren. God has always been a generational God. You got to start thinking like God thinks. God has always thought generationally. You need to start thinking and dreaming like that. Start dreaming generationally. How is this going to affect my grandchildren? How is this going to affect the generations to come? How is this going to affect the, the little ones that are in there right now that one day are going to stand on the platform that you're building? You're just going to start them at a starting point. Are you thinking beyond where you're at? Because if you get caught up with where you're at, you'll fail them and you'll fail God. God never created you to think just where you're at and what you can do. It's always been about generations. I love the verse Joshua says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What a great faith verse. He wasn't just talking about his house that he was having right then. It was talking about the generations that were going to follow year after year after year. You see, I am praying that my 
my ministry isn't about what I accomplish. It's about what my children accomplish. And when you start transitioning your thinking, you'll start seeing in a way that you've never seen. you start dreaming dreams bigger than you could imagine. Because see, some dreams are bigger than you. Some dreams are more than what you'll ever accomplish. But if you don't dream them, they'll never come to reality. You got to start believing, you start seeing, but then you've got to start saying. This is the hardest one. And I, I knew coming in here tonight that this message, this, this idea was so well known and well thought, and you've heard it so many times, but I know for me, I have to continually remind myself of this very concept. I'm a pastor. I, I, I deal with faith all the time. I preach faith all the time. I've laid, we lay hands on the sick. We cast out devils. We, do, we have all the fun stuff happening in our church. We love it. We, we, God has been so gracious to us, and, uh, and, and it, it's real easy to, to say, you know what, just come up here for prayer. And, and we have a little prayer, and then we move on about our business. A few weeks ago, we were presented with an with a opportunity, if you would. See, we have a, a lady in our church. She serves on our serve team. She's at the door uh, twice a month greeting people when they come walk in the door. Uh, her husband is one of our ushers, and, and they, get, they gave us the phone call that said, we've, got a, we've been sent to a special neuro, neurologist because my, he said, my wife's having some problems. And he, he said, okay, well, just let us know what's going on. We'll keep you in our prayers. We're believing God with you. And, and uh, she gets to the doctor, and they, they run a bunch of tests and then tests and more tests, and and they finally find it, and uh, she'd had some trouble uh, walking. She was stumbling, slurring her words a little bit, and uh, they found it. It was a tumor at the base of her, of, uh, between her brain and her spinal cord, right at the base of it. It had intertwined into the very nerves of the spinal cord. So they called us and said, listen, we don't know exactly the extent, but here we are. This is what they're saying. They said it is... They think it could be one of the, the fastest moving cancers that they know of. Two weeks later, she goes back in for another scan, the exact same scam, and it has grown so rapidly that they changed her diagnosis from two years to live to six weeks to live. Two weeks, from two, uh, from, uh, from two years to six weeks. She has now lost... Uh, all use of one of her arms, she cannot walk, and she has lost half of her vision. She's, she's, she's got double vision, so she can't make out people. She can see things, she can't make them out in two weeks. The progression is beyond doctors. And so we got to do something radically, but you're really, there's not much we can do. Get your, get your, get your stuff in order. The following Sunday at church, you know, it's real easy to pray for somebody. It's another thing to take responsibility for somebody. It's, another, it's one thing to say, hey, we're going to pray with you. God bless you. Christians are notorious for that. The same ones that when you tell them you have a problem, they say, hey, I'm going to pray for you. Then they hang up the phone and they never do. And... 
we began praying. We were in the middle of our, our first of the year fast, and, and uh, my pastor got up there, and, and to be very honest, I didn't know what he was going to say. And he got up there, and he said, listen, in front of our whole church, 900 people that Sunday morning, he said, listen, I don't, I don't know. I'm going to tell you this, and, and uh, I'm going to be very plain with you. He says, we're praying for our friend Dee Dee. And here's the diagnosis. Here's what the doctors have said. They've given her six weeks maybe to live. But we believe that we serve a God that heals. And he says, this statement from the pulpit, he says, if you're going to pray weak prayers, just don't pray. But if you're going to pray faith-filled prayers, then let's be believing God with Dee Dee. It's gut-wrenching. That's stepping out there saying, you know what? If this doesn't work, they're going to look at me like I'm a failure. They're going to look at me saying, do you even know what the Bible says? Do you really believe what the Bible believes? The truth is, when you start saying the things that God has put in your heart, what you're doing is you're taking the responsibility of it. See, it's not just about God. We know God is more than capable to do any miracle. We, we believe that. He is the healer. He says he went about doing good and healing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil. But there came a point, even with Jesus, he says, I could do no great miracle because of their unbelief. The next week, she goes back and is admitted to the hospital. And the doctors are looking at her. They're bringing in specialists from New Orleans. They've, they've, they, she's seen the finest surgeons around because of the diagnosis. And, uh, and all of a sudden, in, 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 from that day, within two weeks, they do another test. And a, and a specialist comes in and says, well, we have a situation. Um... Only thing I can tell you is that um, there is some kind of growth around the outside of the tumor. It has been enveloped, and it wasn't in our initial uh, uh, biopsy where they stuck the needle in and drew out a piece of it. it we, there's none of that there. What we're thinking is maybe that the, the envelopment was grew, grew so fast around it that we just happened to miss it. But what we have now is, not, is a dead tumor. Uh, let me just say something. If one day you get the diagnosis that you've got a tumor that's going to kill you, you'd have clapped a whole lot louder right now about what, was just, what God did. They said, we don't think you're going to die in six weeks. We don't think you're going to die in six months or six years. We think you're going to live a perfectly normal life because that tumor is dead, and we don't know how to explain it, but it's, it's done. You see, when you start saying it, you pick, you pick up the responsibility of it, but all of a sudden, God starts doing something supernatural. You got to get out of your tent of despair, and you got to get out there and start talking like God talks. Just got word today that a gentleman in our church, he runs our men's breakfast. God bless men's breakfast people. Amen. Who does that for y'all now? Who? Oh, I love men's breakfast people. Mr. Charlie used to make the best gravy in the world. God bless him. Said his hip had lost all muscle mass, was degrading down, and he couldn't walk it. They expected in the next year he'd be walking with a cane. 
And uh, this past week, he knelt down to pick something up, and something, he said, just snapped on the inside. And all of a sudden, now he can move his legs like he's never moved them the past 15 years. He's no longer walking with a limp. He's running. He is picking up his feet. He's, he is high-stepping like Deion Sanders. Come on, Jesus. There's something happening in the world today when people begin to say, you know what, God, I'm seeing what you're doing. I'm not going to. He says he wasn't even praying about that. He said, I was praying for my church, and I got healed. That'll preach right there. Come on, pastor. Because what happens is when you start, you stop looking at your own problems, you start looking at God like God is a big God, you start being concerned with others, God starts doing things in you because that's how God always operates. You start seeing, then you start saying. I just want to close this message with this. There is something happening right now. I'm, I've been a part of of seeing God do some supernatural miracles. I've been seeing God do things that I couldn't imagine. Uh, two weeks ago, we led a, a, a young girl that had spent her entire life dealing with homosexuality and, and had no desire with God. Uh, led her to the Lord two weeks ago. I, 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 that's not because we're special. It's because God is doing something. Three weeks ago, we were in the process of launching a campus for our church. We, we had a guy that wanted to go out and launch a campus for us. And, and the problem was we had everything in place. We had everything in place, Pastor Eric, but a building. It's a bit of a problem when you're wanting to have church. <laughs> Come on, Jesus. So the Sunday after DD was the Sunday my pastor stood up and said, hey, we're ha- we need a building. The next morning, the superintendent of the, universe, uh, of the uh, school district in the town we were at came to our pastor and said, listen, I've already got it in place. I've already been working on the details. I've already got it covered. All you got to do is let me know what date you want to start, and, and, and we'll have your facility ready to go. It's yours. It's done. It's finalized. Just waiting on your signature because God had already started working on something even before we started praying. I believe that God is in the miracle working process. You know, I could have come. I wanted to preach so many other messages, that stuff that you hadn't heard before. I know you've heard it time and time again, but sometimes you just got to hear it one more time. Some, sometimes you just got to hear it one more time. Had a young girl come up for prayer a few weeks ago. She said, I, I'm a cutter. I cut myself. She said, I don't feel like I need to cut myself anymore. Here's my pack of razor blades. See, God's doing something. But he's looking for somebody who will dream big enough dreams to see his hand go forth with fulfillment. You see, God doesn't like doing little things. Because God is not needed in the little things. God likes doing big things. Doesn't mean he's not concerned with the little details of your life. I'm not saying that. But if you can accomplish it on your own, you don't need God. What if God's only waiting on you to dream a big enough dream? What if the business that it was meant to send missionaries around the world preaching the gospel is birthed on the waiting on the inside of you, waiting to be dreamed with you and God? What if the, the marriage that it, that seems broken and busted is just waiting for you to begin to dream of it being right again? And God is ready to do something special and supernatural. What if that one person that you've been thinking about, that you've been talking about for year after year, but you got to the point where you just kind of gave up on them. You just kind of said, you know what, it's been long enough. And you said, I'm done with you. And God's saying, would you just dream for them one more 
time because I'm still ready to do something special in their life. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what's going on in your life. Maybe you don't have any issues. Maybe you don't need a miracle from God. Maybe your finances don't need a miracle. Maybe your, your home doesn't need a miracle. Maybe your life doesn't need a miracle. But the truth is there's something on the inside of you that God wants to dream that is so supernatural, so glorious, that we, you won't be able to help but give God the glory about it that wants to reach lives around the world. Truth is there are neighbors that need this gospel message. There are, there are coworkers that need this message. There are loved ones, there are friends, there are family members that need this message of hope, and maybe you're the one that's supposed to start dreaming for them again. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment? I'm just here to tell you this simple message. Start believing, start seeing, and start saying what could be. Start believing. Get out of that tent so you can start seeing again. So you can start dreaming again. And start saying what might be. I believe there's somebody here right now that your relationship with your father is distraught. It's tumultuous. You just it's just not right. And you, you've dreamed it, but you've given up on that dream. And God says, I want to begin to do something. Somebody in here tonight, you're having stomach issues. You're having stomach issues and Tonight, I believe that God wants to heal you. I believe that God wants to touch you. Sometimes I like to call people forward and lay hands on them. Sometimes I like to have them stand up. But this moment, I just feel like that there's a presence resting on us. Someone in here, you have a family member that you know that you're responsible for. You're not supposed to correct them. You're not supposed to rebuke them. You're supposed to love them. But it's hard. Man, it's hard. I believe that tonight God wants you to dream of seeing them turn back around and come home. And you're going to be responsible to love them like God loves you. What is it tonight? What area have you missed it? Maybe you failed so many times you don't think God can use you anymore. Every time you think you've about got it done, you've about got it right, you've about got the whole, all of a sudden you do that one thing, you fall in that one sin, you make that one mistake, you turn to that one thing over and over again, you just can't seem to break away from it. What if tonight is the night that God can birth a dream inside of you to be free once and for all?
Sir, God is not mad at you. He is not upset at you. He has not forgot you. Tonight, He wants you to know that He loves you unconditionally. All you think about is your mistakes, but all God is thinking about is you. Time to come home. Perfect peace is he who his mind is stayed upon the Lord, for he shall trust in him. Some of you, your dreams have become so far removed because you're just hanging on, trying to get through life. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You were not created just to get into heaven, but you were created for heaven to get down to earth with you. Father, I'm just asking for those right here and right now would say, I need a touch from Almighty God. Right here, God, I'm just asking for a supernatural extension of your grace, of your mercy, even as the uh, as Pastor uh, said earlier about uh, faith rising up. If you would just grab hold of it, I'm asking that to be extended by the grace of God in Jesus' name for miracles to come forth, for hope to be renewed and restored, for lives to be put back in order, Father. I thank you for, for financial breakthroughs in Jesus' name. I thank you for the, for the, the people that need uh, God to do a supernatural miracle in their finances. I speak that now. Father, I thank you that there's going to be some forgiveness of debts right here and right now. Father, just as you touched our lives and our financial lives, Father, and you took us from broken, busted to seeing your hand of favor upon our lives, God, I'm asking that to be extended right now to somebody. If that's you, grab it right now by faith. In Jesus' name. Lord, I'm asking for hope to be renewed. As, though, as Abram walked out of the tent and looked at the stars of the sky, May there be a dream birthed so deep into him that he wouldn't give up. He wouldn't quit. And he wouldn't let go. And it said it was accounted to him for righteousness. Father, I pray that your people will be in right standing because of what Jesus has done. And they will believe accordingly by the grace of Almighty God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Stand and sing this. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long to be
we dream tonight, Lord. We wake the dream tonight again in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you do things well. You do things through dreams and visions, Lord. You accomplish your work in the earth. Father God, we open up our hearts, our lives to dream your dream. To dream a dream, Father, I thank you for awakening that of your people tonight. Stirring them in it, Lord. Lord, so that we will never get comfortable living life normally. But Father God, living our lives as though they are completely dependent upon you. Thank you, Father. Thank you for Pastor Scott and his beautiful family. We just thank you for your blessing, God, upon this family. Thank you, Lord, that you watch over them, that you keep them in all their ways. Lord, we just thank you for increasing them, multiplying them, Father. Thank you for the open doors. Thank you for the favor of God that surrounds them as with the shield. Thank you, God, that they have given themselves to your work, God, and they're seeing your work in the earth and in people's lives. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for your blessing upon all these who have come here tonight, these faithful, faithful people. Lord, I thank you for their families. I declare that all of their children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be their peace. Lord, that tonight when they go home and they lay down for rest, Lord, they will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make them dwell in safety. Thank you, Father, that this is a people who know their God, and they do great exploits in the earth, Father. I thank you now, God, that grace and peace would be multiplied to them from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.